Welcome to the Gals Guide to the Galaxy podcast, where a group of gals gather for you one cool thing around our topic of the month. Is it ancient history? Is it breaking news? Is it safe for work? Well, that's up to each gal. All we know is that... Fasten your seatbelts. It's going to be a bumpy night. Hello and welcome back to Gal's Guide to the Galaxy podcast. We are so happy to be back from break and start season two. We have missed our Galactic Glamazon listeners and I have missed my lovely gal pals. There it is. (laughs) But never fear, mighty listeners, because we've got some amazing research themes planned for 2020, including one cool things about funny gals, suffragettes, pirates, and even more. But for the first month of the year, we thought we'd start with first ladies. First month, first ladies. Yeah, we're very, very creative. What can I say? Uh, So it is safe to say that no matter what side of the aisle you are on, politics has gotten exhausting and stupid at times. I think that's fair. (laughs) Well, we've all been drinking. I mean thinking. No, I mean drinking. And (laughs) we're going to bring you some entertaining stories about first ladies that will amuse, inspire, and probably shock you. Basically, we are going to have a ton of fun talking about first ladies. So let me introduce the gal pals for this month who I would personally have in my White House cabinet. First up, she is the vice president of the Gals Guide Board, and if there was a secretary of the best damn birthday cakes, she'd be re-elected every single year. It's Katie Harris! Wow. (laughs) Katie, how has your break been going? It's been like two months now almost. I don't think anything else needs said about me. (laughs) That's right. The secretary of the best damn birthday cakes. Vice president, secretary of birthday cakes. Exactly. Yeah. No, things have been going well. Um... Happy to have the holidays behind me, even right. though it was great fun and I loved seeing everyone. Um, ready to focus on 2020. Woo! New year, new goals. Exactly. Excited. It's going to be awesome. Uh-huh. I love it. So, next up, she is the board secretary of Gal's Guide. And if there was a director of badass women artists, she'd run it. That's right. <laughs> it's Bonnie Phillipsworth. That's right. So, Bonnie, what have you been doing with your time off? Uh, I finally finished that freaking calendar. <laughs> yes! <laughs> and I love it, and I can't wait until, like, you know, well, actually, it's now by the time the podcast records. I can't wait till yeah. now to have it on my wall. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so cal- uh, women's history calendars are available in my Etsy shop uh, since it's 2020 and the anniversary of the passing of the 19th Amendment. Um, they are suffrage themed. Yes. So there's extra suffrage goodies in there, as long as the usual awesomeness. 2020, this time, extra suffrage. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I love mine. It's gorgeous. Go buy it, everybody. (laughs) Sweet. All right. Well, next up is a longtime listener to the show and a regular when we had in-person meetings, which now feels like forever ago. Uh, She loves rum, women's history. And so she's a perfect candidate for this show. It is Debbie Sponsler. Debbie, welcome to the show and tell the good people a little bit about yourself. Hi, everybody. I'm Debbie, as she said. (laughs) I am, well, the most interesting thing about me is probably um, I'm a compulsive confessor. It even says (laughs) on my Facebook page, my life is an open book. I do reserve the right to glue a few pages shut, <laughs> but Fair. I have learned that it's better just to tell the truth about yourself and not lie because then you don't have to remember who, t- who learned what about you. There you go. So. 
easier. Absolutely easier. Absolutely. Uh, I completely agree. I love it. And thank you for being here. 2020 is going to be great because you're here. <laughs> As for me, I am Dr. Leah Leach. I am the president of the Gals Guide Board. And uh, I've been trying to take December off. I really, like, I tried. It was like, it. I wrote it down on my planner. But I didn't do it. So I'm really excited because if we can get funding, uh, we are looking to host a month-long celebration uh, during Women's History Month in March with a pop-up library. Basically going to kind of like test our idea and see what works and see what we love about it. See what people love about it. Uh, We also have some really cool rewards on our crowdfunder. My favorite one mostly because you're listening to a podcast, is one of our rewards is a secret podcast episode. We're calling it The Hidden Figure. And for $20, you get access to an episode that is made just for the backers. And who knows what craziness we'll actually talk about. I mean, maybe we'll get a drunk dream interpreter to sit down with Katie. (laughs) Maybe. Anything could happen. We don't know. One thing is for sure, you will not hear it unless you are a backer. So if you haven't donated yet to the Gals Guide Women's History Library pop-up, go to galsguide.org. It has a link directly to our campaign, and it's really, really cool. We try to have some awesome stuff. (laughs) So, okay, let's talk about the first ladies of the United States, or the Flotuses. The Flotuses? Flotuses? It's got to be the S, because it's the, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) All of those feel creepy. They really do. Yeah. They really do. Anything with flow, I think, in the title. Flows. <laughs> it does flows. I see what you did there. Uh, so some brief foundation knowledge here to kind of set the tone. There have been 46 different first ladies. Now compare that to 44 different presidents. Now, if you're like, wait, Leah, you have forgotten about Orange 45. I say, first of all, how can you? And second of all, I wish. But (laughs) the truth is Grover Cleveland was the president twice. That is why there is only 44. Grover Cleveland was the president as the 22nd president and the 24th. Right now, the reason for 46 different first ladies, um, and I think we if we digged even further, there would probably actually be more than 46. But two presidents had wives who died in office and got remarried before the end of their term. Uh, But there are stories of first ladies who wanted nothing to do with the role of Flotus. So somebody else was given that role. Uh, Gals like Margaret Taylor and Bess Truman. There were also gals who were sick, and so they had the title, but they really couldn't serve as first ladies, like Jane Pierce. She suffered from major depression after her son died, and Eliza Johnson, who had tuberculosis the entire time. There were even presidents whose wives who had died before they took office, or never married in the first place. In many cases, daughters or even nieces took on the role as first lady. Now, the role of First Lady has been ever-evolving. There have been those who set new traditions, like Lucy Hayes, who hosted the first-ever Easter egg roll on the White House lawn. But there have been gals like Sarah Polk, who forbid dancing and card-playing in the White House. I think her favorite movie would have been Footloose. (laughs) None of that crazy dancing! I would say that we know the names of all 44 presidents, so it's time to get to know the First Ladies. However, I don't think many of us know the names of all the presidents. So we've got a lot of work to do there. I mean, like, I didn't know there was two Harrisons. Did you guys know there was mm-hmm. two Harrisons? Yes. All right. <laughs> Katie's with me. You should know one. One's from Indy, so you should know that That's one. That's the only one I knew. Yeah. Also, the shortest is like a month 
<laughs> oh, is it? Yeah. Oh, is the other one only about me? I mean, I would say that's the reason. That's not the yeah. reason. It's the just because I don't know my president. wasn't memorable. I think the other There's one was that. like his grandfather yeah. or something. They were related. Great uncle, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. I was like, wait a second. There's two of them? Oh, wait, they are related. There's two Roosevelt's, too. Yes. Right. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And they're yeah. like, of course there is. They're like distant cousins. Yeah. Like, sub- like, actually, Eleanor and FDR are more related than Theodore Roosevelt. And FDR are. Yeah. They were they were cousins. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not that far removed. <laughs> exactly. That's the weird facts that I know about first ladies is when yeah. incest is best, then I remember. But other than that It sticks with you. So I am personally excited to learn something new about first ladies because I know I'm lacking in this area. So I am very excited. And who wants to go first? I think I'm the lucky one. Yeah, you are. First. We we are uh, being a little organized. A little bit. Right? We're gonna we're trying a new thing. We're still we're, drinking, but we're trying an organized thing. Right, because we're gonna go <laughs> by um, the years our ladies were first lady. Yes, right? yes. But reversed, reverse. So we're gonna start with the most recent. Yes, and work our way back. That's right. Exactly. And as I have picked Michelle Obama. Yeah, you did. That puts me in the hot seat right now. <laughs> Katie's so excited with this idea. I'm actually the most nervous uh, to talk about Michelle Obama. Gotcha. Because I started reading her book Becoming mm-hmm. and doing this research. And I'm just finding myself really admiring her. Ah. And getting, I mean, I've admired all the ladies I've talked about. Right, right. But this feels like a little more pressure. Ah. We're talking about FLOTUS. Right, I know. FLOTUS, right? FLOTUS. You want to live up to the honor of the FLOTUS. Right, because it's a very formal thing. Yeah, exactly. Being first lady, being president, there's a lot of rituals involved yeah. and expectations and all of that. So, you know, feels formal. Exactly. There's but also a high level of scrutiny as well. Absolutely. <laughs> and I'm not even where, sure where to dive into this uh, because in your intro, you were talking a little bit about um, the expectations on these first yeah. ladies, right? Very true. And I have to say, just... The research I've done, and I'm only about a fourth of the way into becoming, and I'm totally going to finish it and highly recommend it to all of our listeners. Sweet. Yes. But um, Michelle Obama, what she went through finding her role as first lady, Mm -hmm. um, she's a very strong spoken woman who knows herself. That's why it's becoming Michelle Obama. Mm -hmm. Um, And from a very young age, she was really in touch with who she is and had a very supportive environment that helped her grow Um, And be true to herself. Yeah. So she gets on this political platform. And I was reading that I never even realized how much they're constantly figuring out how public is reacting. Oh, gotcha. So you have everybody out there with all their different ideals and the things they want from politicians. And you're judging the reaction of of all of them. Of how are they polling right now? Yes, how they're polling, what your popularity Mm. polling is. Oh, my goodness. Um, So when Michelle started... (laughs) campaigning with her husband Barack Obama um, she came on a little strong she was very polished um, very sophisticated Mm -hmm. had opinions spoke them and the feedback they got was that wasn't well received oh my goodness (laughs) (laughs) were they just not ready (laughs) right so um, they talked this is from the online articles I found this isn't from her own book I haven't gotten that far. Oh. Oh, I will update you guys later if need be. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, 
but that she did scale it back a little bit. Yeah. Made her look a little softer, um, was not quite so aggressive in what she said in her stances. Gotcha. Um, and then, you know, he won and became president and she moved in to become first lady. Mm-hmm. And she was, well, first of all, one thing I learned was that wasn't necessarily anywhere she wanted to be. Yeah. Yeah. She seemed like she had other places to be. Right. <laughs> Definitely her own goals, her own things she wanted to do. Um, but I truly see the Obamas as a really amazing equal partnership. Mm-hmm. And she was prepared to support him. Have you guys heard what she made him promise? No. No. So when he said he wanted to run and become president of the United States, she told him the only way she'll agree to that is if he quits smoking. Oh. oh. Yeah. That explains a lot. That is a big <laughs> ask. <laughs> I don't think that happened, though. No. It didn't? I don't. He, he sneaked them through oh. at least through his first term. There uh, I mean, oh, been, really? This explains he why he's so that by now. Oh. But I know for a while yeah. he still was. Still I mean, that's a stressful role. Duh, Not that it I is. I know, anything, right? Exactly. But, <laughs> and I'm sure she still loves him. <laughs> right, right. But, but that was the deal the that they made. to be healthy, but that was <laughs> the deal they made. But So she gets into office and she finds where she, her own initiatives that she wants to take right. on, the marks she wants to leave on the office. Um, and then she started getting criticism from others that she wasn't being enough of a feminist. She wasn't advocating for right. women enough. She wasn't, you know what I mean? So you, you try so hard. It's a hard role because yes. you're, you're getting opposite reviews from each side. Yeah. And, you know, for somebody that's so certain of themselves, uh, I'm sure you get strength from that, but I'm sure it was really tiring. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm sure, like, you know, knowing who you are and what you want, but then having to, like, make that fit with, the expectations and you know and what's polling good. numbers right right yeah it's good for your husband's career That's so you can be supportive and tough. it's almost like she's a woman right? <laughs> being scrutinized no matter what she does yes exactly. what did she say what was she wearing right <laughs> what are the poll number approvals right <laughs> so but i think she did it with so much grace yeah. so much beauty and dignity um, really everything I read about her is talking about what an incredible role model she is. Yeah, absolutely. So, and I totally agree with that. Um, so if you don't know a little bit about her background in history, um, she was born in the 60s. Gotcha. 1964. Um, and she was born in Chicago and lived on and was raised on the south side of Chicago. Gotcha. And this is the part of her book I've read. And I think it's really interesting because I think just on um, a developmental level, she got to see some interesting dynamics. Mm-hmm. She talks about how when she first started school in kindergarten, um, her neighborhood on the south side of Chicago was um, actually pretty diverse. Cool. She went to um, school with white kids and kids of Asian descent and mm-hmm. other black kids. And in the book, there's a published photo of her in kindergarten, and you see that reflected. Nice. And then by fifth grade, her class was almost all black kids oh. because the South Side was uh, people were moving out. There was a big scare mm. about, oh, uh. it's going to become dangerous or you don't want to live there. Gotcha. Um, but her family stayed there for a long time. And even when she married... Her husband, Barack Obama, they moved into the same house she lived in oh. when she was a kid for a while. Oh. So, And she Look lived on um, in 900 square feet with her parents and her brother on the second story of her, I think a great aunt. Yeah, it was a great aunt's house. Great gotcha. aunt and uncle. Mm-hmm. Her great aunt did piano lessons. Oh, nice. And I really think through the book, you can see that one of her first um, things she tackled as a small child besides reading which she could do before she even entered school um was learning the piano oh very 
And it really comes through that she's always been a super driven person. Mm. She heard her aunt giving piano lessons for four years and decided she was ready to do it. If she could see it, she could be Be it. it, Right. (laughs) And so, and she has so many cute stories about how she was so determined and wanted to do so well. And she would challenge her great aunt because her great aunt was very formulaic and is like, we're going to learn this song and then this song. And she's like, well, why do we need to do that? I can skip ahead and do this song because I want to. And I practiced and I worked hard. Right. So you can see these threads throughout it that she's just a very hardworking, dedicated woman. And she's listening, too. Yeah. And learning and really absorbing everything. Um, So much of her personality is in this book, and I really appreciate that. Nice. So, in fact, the way she was raised, I really think it built her up so much as a person, and I think she Mm -hmm. really appreciates that and comes through in the book how much her family helped her become the woman she is today. And honestly, I really want her to write a parenting book. Oh, that'd be cool. Yeah, right? Michelle Obama parenting book exactly (laughs) yes so she always worked really hard in school made amazing grades was Mm -hmm. in gifted classes um and then she went on to princeton university oh and got her undergrad yes her brother went as well oh my goodness yeah and we're going from um neither of her parents were college educated right right um i don't know that to ivy league yeah yeah absolutely and she went to harvard law school Oh, look at that. And then she came back to Chicago and got a job in a law firm um, and just really realized she wasn't able to have the impact on society she wanted to. Yeah. Um, Her dad was really active in the Democratic Party in Chicago, and she used to spend her weekends going to house visits with him to see constituents Mm. and their concerns and what they need. Um, So she's always been a political person. Yeah, there you go. Even just through family. Um, And she knew she wanted to serve people and have a great impact. Um, So she actually moved to a few other positions, um, some encouraging young people to become politically active and involved. Mm -hmm. Um, And then also just at a university, kind of a management role there and also working on community outreach. Um, But then one thing, let's just get gossipy. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. One thing, one thing I really liked here was when they talked about how she worked at a hospital. <clears throat> um, but I just loved it, because when she worked at the hi- at the hospital, she um, had a very, like, executive, fancy, high-up position. Ooh. And she was the breadwinner in her family. Oh. She made so much more than her husband. Uh-huh. And I just really liked that. <laughs> <laughs> it helps. <laughs> right? Right? It's nice to see. Exactly. I had mm-hmm. that brief time for a while. We had a rule in the house of whoever made more money had to do the laundry. <laughs> oh, didn't have to do the laundry. That's what it was. Because I didn't like doing the laundry and I made more money at the time. So it was a really nice rule. Except he makes more money than I do now and I still haven't done the laundry. Yeah, <laughs> Everybody has their well, specialties. He's got, right? now. he's got a system. He doesn't like the way yeah. that I do laundry. So we've been going with that. Smart move. <laughs> right? <laughs> Here it is. She worked for the University of Chicago Hospitals as an executive director for community affairs. And then as the vice president for community and external affairs. Oh, there it is. So at which point she made pretty much $100,000 more than Barack a year. Oh, yeah. Breadwinner. Smart woman (laughs) who has worked so hard. Um, But then, like I said, it's a partnership between the two of them. So when he wanted to run for president... Um, she agreed and supported him through it. Um, and that meant 
uh, scaling back her work significantly. Right. Um, yeah. You know, being on the campa- campaign trail with him, making appearances, yeah. um, being part of that process, she really reduced her work by a lot. Right. Exactly. Almost to being done with it. So after he gets elected, it's time for her to decide, you know, what, how she'll spend her time in mm-hmm. the White House. Um, and one of her first big initiatives was the, what is it, Let's Move? Yeah, I remember move, the moving yeah. campaign. Yeah, health right. and yeah. wellness and then lunches. She was, yeah, she was really, really focused. She's like, if there's one thing I want to leave, it's I want to help with the um, epidemic of childhood obesity. Yeah. I want to help set these kids up for success and to be healthy. Part of this let's move was also nutrition, like you were saying. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and she was the first first lady in numerous years to start a garden at the White House again. Part of her initiative was fresh food um, and teaching and connecting with children over gardening and showing them, you know, you, you, you know, you're committed and you're invested when you're growing your own food right. and you're more likely to try it. And she saw that and made that part of her campaign as well. Oh, nice. So I'm, we'll put it in the show notes. I'll, yes. t- I'll mm-hmm. tell you in the yes. show notes, which Beautiful. I'm certain you'll read all of you out there. <laughs> Everybody <laughs> reads the show notes. <laughs> which which first lady it was that had the garden and then it went away and it was i think gone for like 30 years i mean that sounds she about restarted right. the garden oh, i just like gardening too even though Ex- i kill everything <laughs> but you still try gals guide I had a, a whole try. month focused on gardening and it was like a ton of fun to actually like explore gardening it was very much so um, so it's she okay. Had... Is Debbie dying? Aww. No, no. <laughs> Catch it's, your it's, breath. <laughs> it's that season, right? It yeah, is. the Let's Move campaign. Ooh, I'm going to tell you right now. <laughs> Internet. Um, she was the first one since Eleanor Roosevelt oh, to have a garden. There. Yeah. That has been a while. Yeah. yeah. Goodness. You know, I'm like our... our I don't want to say mistress. <laughs> our, <laughs> our queen. Our queen. Yes, do it. <laughs> of domestic affairs because I love sure. the gardening, the cooking, and that kind of stuff. So I connected to that in here. I um, like it. Also super pumped, the hipster in me, to know that she installed beehives on the south lawn of the White oh, House. Nice. Right? Beautiful. <laughs> yes. Um, another... I, one of the things I found fascinating about her legacy is also what she did for LGBT rights. She was very vocal and supportive of pushing her husband to fight for these rights. And I love this quote of hers. Okay, at the 2012 Democratic National Convention, Michelle said, Brock knows the American dream because he's lived it. And he wants everyone in this country to have that same opportunity, no matter who we are or where we're from or what we look like or who we love. There you go. Absolutely. Yeah. And it was really important to her as a role model for children that she vocally stand up and say that. Right, exactly. They all deserve the same things, hugely into equality, um, and fight for those rights. So yeah. I love that too. Exactly. Um, but I definitely highly recommend to all of you out there to read Becoming by Michelle Obama. Yeah. Um, it was the most checked out book in the public libraries. Oh. Um, I'm sure the show notes will back me on that. <laughs> of course they will. <laughs> if not, they'll have the word correction next to it. There you go. Um, and it's also spent 52 weeks on the New York Times bestsellers list. Oh, so it's, nice. I think the thing that we put on the... It's a year. 
Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. a year. Well, nice. And I, I feel like the thing, I could not find it, and it was driving me crazy as well. Um, but I know we had a gal's guide Facebook post about it yeah. that I think was basically saying it's on track to become one of the most popular autobiographies ever. Oh, ah, mm-hmm. so, gotcha. Yeah. And she has all kinds of interesting little awards and accolades about being one of the most fascinating people or one of the best role models. She's definitely earned all right. of that. Right. I saw so. one today of uh, the most admired woman possibly of 2019. And I'm like, I don't know mm-hmm. how you track that. Besides asking people, mm-hmm. <laughs> but I saw it on Facebook, so it's yeah. gotta be true. Exactly, it's on the interwebs. But true. yes, so highly recommend becoming. I'm about a hundred pages into four hundred and thirty pages. It's been a holiday season, like right? Thing. Yeah, right. But I, t- I fully plan on finishing it, and it's just amazing. And you can check it out during Pop Up Library Month. Yes, the <laughs> Gal's Guide. Crowdfund library. <laughs> we have two copies of it two uh, copies. in the Gals Guide library. Well, right now you have one. Well, one of those checked out. I'm, I'm going to get finished, guys. So anyway, and I feel like I left out so much. Um, so I just encourage all of you out there to learn about this incredible woman. Well, that wraps it up for us this week. Don't forget to check out our crowdfunder at galsguide.org to help build the first women's history library in the United States. Join us next week as our next gal pal shares her one cool first lady as Gal's Guide to the Galaxy podcast continues. Thanks for listening. For show notes, links, and images from this week's show, visit galsguide.org. Want exclusive stuff like deleted bits and major bloopers? Become a Gal's Guide patron today. Thanks for listening. <laughs>